Digital Drift Episode 4, recorded Sunday, 2nd of February 2014. Five questions. Deep discussion and entertaining analysis of movies, games, and media culture. Welcome to the Digital Drift. Welcome back to Digital Drift. I'm Sharon Shaw. And I'm Alex Shaw. Back in July of 2009, Tony Atkins and I interviewed Chris and Kelly Brown of the Married Gamers podcast for our episode 112. It was a splendid show, intimate, fun, and often painfully honest. They revisited us many times after that, while Cowboys continued, guided us round PAX 09, and visited Gonzo in the years between to talk Star Wars and Harry Potter. Now, nearly five years after our first meeting, they have returned. We're back. We are TMG. Chris and Kelly. Hello. 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 That's totally <laughs> not You're half a barbershop. <laughs> we are such dorks. Since I have now joined Alex to two-hand this new volume of the digital series, we took less than half a second to think of another husband and wife podcasting team also approaching their seventh year and now on their 325th episode. We're going to be asking them how they keep it up and some tips on how we can best approach our own. Pharmaceuticals. <laughs> that was a quick show. Old school Cowboys fans will also be very happy to learn that this is the episode where we bring back the five questions we used to ask all of our guests and interviewees. We have, of course, tailored them to be more pertinent to the focus of digital drift, and you'll find out what those are later. A reminder of some of the originals, there were things like Name Your Two Desert Island Games, You Have Power But No Internet Connection, Which Was Your Favourite Console and Why? What Is Your Favourite Piece of Gaming Music? Who Is Your Most Respected Figure in the Industry? Is There a Trend in the Industry You Wish You Could Do Away With? And Where Will Gaming Be in Five Years? So we've retailored those to uh, to be more our style. So we're going to start with some questions for Chris and Kelly, because we brought you guys on uh, being experts in a field we are just entering. Um, so, I mean, not in terms of podcasting, but in terms of podcasting together. So, Sharon, you've got the first one. I do. Um, so, Chris and Kelly, nice to talk to you again. Good to talk to you as well. You two have been podcasting together since August 2007. Uh, So if you could just give us a a quick reminder of how and why you started. I know it's something that Alex has discussed with you on a previous show, but uh, for the Digital Drift listeners who might not have heard that one. 
Um, well, um, I guess it was probably in July of 2006, Chris and I had what, what Chris has kind of coined the, what do you call it, the come to Jesus moment? Yeah, sort of the dark night of the soul. <laughs> yeah, where we um, realized that our marriage was at a fork in the, the road, where we were either going to separate or decide to uh, travel down the road together and try to stick it out and um, mend our marriage. And um, we had been listening to a few podcasts at the time, um, Drunken Gamers Radio, which is no longer in existence. Um, they're going to be, what's, what are they calling themselves now? Uh, well, they're still deciding that. Oh, they're still deciding. Uh, they unfortunately lost um, one of their members just recently, and so that's why they're reconfiguring their show. Um, we were also listening to Achievement Junkies, which is yes. no longer in existence. Was that the only two that we were listening to at the time? Uh Together, those were together, the yeah. And um, we realized that uh, video games was kind of the impetus of what caused our problems, but it was also a love that we had um, together, and that possibly uh, we could do a podcast that would force us to sit down and talk to each yeah. other and not at each other. Mm-hmm. And um, so we also knew that in order to do it well, we would need to sit down and create show notes and come up with topics and whatnot. So we uh, came up with date nights to sit down and, and do those show notes together. Mm-hmm. And then obviously our, I think the first few shows were hour and a half. Yeah. Shows. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, like any podcaster will say, you know, the first ones were horrible. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and it's true. It's true. Ours, ours, belief. you know, were, but, uh, but, uh, during that time, we, uh, you know, it's a learning process. You know, we were not only learning how to podcast, we were also learning how to communicate and get along with one another as, as, as partners in the true sense of the form. And so those, I have to be honest, those first couple of years, you know, were, were really hard. Uh, you know, we both, you know, made the decision to stick it out together and see where this process could lead. And, but, uh, those, you know, those first early years, there was a lot of like rebuilding trust was, you know, for my, my part was, was very, very hard. And, and, uh, at the same time, as we're trying to rebuild our lives as a, as a couple, we're also trying to, Make the married gamers, uh, the podcast and the website at that time, uh, become something. You know, we all, you, you know, it was our, our baby, so to speak. So that, that's, the, those were the early years of, of TMG. So how have you managed to keep this dynamic and the formula going for all these years beyond prescription drugs? Um, prescription <laughs> drugs. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting you say that. There were, there are, I would say there's been a few shows that we would, um, we did a few shows live. There was what about a year that we did live shows, hun? Yeah. And we knew we had an audience that was waiting for us. And so we had a certain time frame that we had to be in front of the cameras ready to go. And we would have had, I wouldn't say it was a nasty fight, but you know, the shouting match, a shouting match at each other. And it usually was over stupid stuff of, you know, why didn't you start? Uh, the laundry or why did you have to just start dishes now? Don't you know we have to be in front of the cameras? Right. You know, things that, that I mean, you know, normal couples fight over, mm. but nonetheless, we were pissed off at each other. And did we really want to be in front of the cameras? No, but we had to put on the happy face and get in front <laughs> of the cameras. And um, those were not easy podcasts to do. 
Right. Yeah. But we had to do them. It's a lot easier now to do them because if there's times where, you know, one of us is not feeling well or whatever, it's, uh, well, we're supposed to do it Friday night, but yeah, you know what? Let's push it off to Saturday. Or if Chris wants to watch a soccer match, uh, like today he was watching our, an Arsenal match. Uh, we just push off recording for a little bit longer and not a big deal. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, when we first started at the married gamers, you know, there was a, it was very purposeful. Like, you know, Kelly mentioned our, our date night in which we would basically lay out our show notes. You know, um, I, I, I really believe in podcasts that use show notes as a way of, you know, providing direction and, and focus during the show, oh, during the shows. Yeah. And, and, we've been uh, on a few that don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but for us, you know, it was important, uh, and, and not only because it sort of, you know, makes the podcast a little more cohesive, but, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it was giving our relationship structure as well. Mm-hmm. You know, these were times that we spent time together in a business relationship doing the podcast, but also, you know, learning how to piece this, this marriage uh, together, together. Communication is, you know, it's it's vital to yeah. a marriage, and and so now having done, and the married gamers going towards our seventh year, um, it's a bit, it's it's a lot different from how we first started and, and how we work throughout the week. You know, we don't have that many date nights where that's, you know, we sit down and talk about it, uh, what we're going to do on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, driving to work. You know, we we we've been very thankful. I guess, uh, you could look at it that way, that we've always had one car. And, uh, cause it gives us such an opportunity to communicate with one another. And so, you know, we'll mention, okay, well, you know, Wednesday or so we'll say, oh, we got a, we got a show coming up this week. What do you think? And it's hard because, you know, being a topical show, yeah. uh, it, a lot of times it's less about the news of the week and more about, you know, if it's going to be a quote unquote relationshipy episode or whatnot. And I think Chris has gotten a lot better at the, the beginning of our, our podcast. I would come up with an idea and Chris would go, eh, not such a great idea. Let's move on. And now it's more of, cause my topics tend to, my ideas tend to be more lengthy. Yeah, they're great ideas, ideas but it requires and research. And- so we, we, there was a, I think it was like our second year of podcasting. I came up with the whole Rolodex idea of yeah. let's put a Rolodex of ideas, but we never went back. Yeah, to this. well, and, and the and the podcast is you know ever evolving, and, and and to this day, you know, there's things that we, you know, segments we don't do, and we're always talking about maybe you know should we lengthen this or shorten that or should we put in more reviews, and uh, but we're just finally at this point where um, I may do like I might write out all our set. Our, our set, our show notes, I mean. You always call the set list. Yes, or our show notes. Uh, <laughs> but, but it, it has less to do with like being, you know, equal pairing in the podcast and, and because, uh, there's, there's a genuine trust between us. You know, yeah. we're not trying to, uh, take, take w- one another's, uh, uh, abilities. You know, we trust in each other's abilities to, yeah. to do a, do a good job on the and show. And there's times that you'll just say, it's your way to do this, the podcast. Whatever you plan, go for it. Yeah. And he doesn't have any look at the show notes until I throw them at him. And then he's like, wait, we're having them on Why our show? Why are we talking about <laughs> Honey Boo Boo? <laughs> I do not do that. No, Which episode do you talk about Honey Boo Boo? <laughs> we don't. We never have. We don't. But, right. we don't. But no, but. Thank the Lord. But, but you're always amazed. He's always said to me, wow, you know, I hadn't yeah, thought about doing idea. that before. That was a really cool idea to go back and do that. That wouldn't have been something that I would have thought about doing. So it's kind of neat to, 
to hand each other the reins and not talk about it. And then just basically show up to record. And then it's like, here's the show notes and not discuss it because we kind of can surprise each other with what we've come up with. I think there's been, there was a, the, your, your uh, birthday episode this year. Yes. I surprised you with what I was doing. Yes, you did. You had no idea what I had planned. And I planned with all, uh, with a few of your MVP buddies and yes. it was people that we don't, don't, haven't had on the show before. Well, and you were yeah. like, wow, this is kind of fun to sit down and kind of talk about this. And yeah. Something I wouldn't have thought to do. So yeah, absolutely. We've had fun doing some of those things. Yeah. I think that's uh, from the sounds of things, one of the major advantages of um, having a, a sort of couple presenting team mm. that you have, you may have similar interests and you may have um, sort of similar points of view on certain things, but there's always going to be a perspective that one of you brings that the other one doesn't share. So there's always something to keep it fresh for both of you. Whereas I think if yeah. it's if it's just one person all the time with the, the same way of looking at things, um, then um, they might get to the point where they're starting to bore themselves a little bit. Yeah, that's why I had guests. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's, that's a, that's a interesting comment too, because, and, and I'm very thankful of that perspective because sometimes I think, you know, one of the reasons why we may not get in as many listeners as say other podcasts is, uh, is because, you know, we have so, so many similar views, you know, a lot of other podcasts, they, you know, they're, they, they often are at loggerheads at one another because they have wildly divergent reviews, you know, and I'm not just talking, you know, uh, PS, you know, Sony fanboy versus an X bot, you know, but, but, you know, and, and, and for me, I always viewed that as, as, you know, it always makes for, uh, exciting, uh, conversation because, you know, as a listener, you find yourself on one side of the argument or the other, and, uh, but yeah, that having that similar one, um, it's always been difficult sometimes, you know, uh, trying to draw that little bit of distinction, trying to find that, like, while Kelly, Kelly and I may feel similarly about a lot of things, like you said, Sharon, uh, she may be coming at that agreement from a different mm. perspective mm. than, than my own. And, um, yeah, learning, learning to find those, those, uh, crevices when you're, when you're climbing the, uh, podcast mountain. <laughs> Oh, did I pull that out of my ass? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Would you like to just stick it back up there? It didn't sound no, very good. No, no. Podcast Mountain uh, implies there is some sort of peak. It's it's more like a Sisyphean well, act of contrition. Having the done peak this is for, constantly moving forwards. <laughs> having done this for close to seven years, it definitely feels you know being forty two in a in a video game podcast world where everyone's you know less than thir- less than thirty. It seems it makes me feel like I've peaked. <laughs> I know Kelly was going to talk about uh, things things that haven't worked. Oh yeah, no, please do. Yeah. Things that haven't worked. I'm yeah, like, think, like for instance, a certain segment that you um. Oh, you don't got like really my mailbag singing. You don't okay. like mailbag? Uh, no, we used to do mailbag all the time, and mm-hmm. uh, we stopped getting mail. We have like completely stopped getting mail, and I used to sing the mailbag song, and Chris. How did it go? 
Mailbag. Yes. And, yeah. no, see, see, you know, this is why I didn't like it. Shut up. <laughs> um, and, you know what? There you go. So maybe oh, people stop and, writing emails so that you'd stop. Yeah. Oh, exactly. don't get. No, don't get see, you're giving her ammunition to have it yeah. return. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm assuming um, um, that kind of went away as you got you like a forum, so people got to sort of converse with you on that, didn't you? Didn't it? Yeah, and I think things have changed too with with you know so people are more mobile social now. media. Oh yeah. yeah, Facebook, Facebook and Twitter, you know, it has changed, you know, even to like emailing your favorite show and whatnot. I'm trying to think what else is. Um, not we used worked. to. I'll, I'll remind you then. Uh, we used to do a segment in which. Oh, we used to do gamer score challenges. Well, yeah, we used to have a challenge. You know, each week we would have a challenge, but sometimes it'd be like who could get the most gamer score uh-huh. in a week or. Something and like I that. Was lost. And yeah, and there would be a consequence, like you know, you, ha- you had to do dishes for the week or that sort right. of stuff. And, and Kelly was getting very, very frustrated. At the point that was like, well, maybe lost. we'll just tuck this away for the sake of our relationship. Of our relationship, yeah. <laughs> yes. There was very few times that I won those. For the sake of Kelly's poor hands. Yes, <laughs> but there were other things that we've done. Well, we we we. We only do our drinking episodes every once every in a while. once in a while because our livers would. Although that's our listeners' favorite. Our favorite. Our, our Maybe our not our employers. Love to drink that. <laughs> Be- or drink that. Love to hear us get drunk because I um. My my lips get loose. <laughs> yes, you say too um, much. And, and, um, and the yeah, person Chris, who edits the Chris show has may to not edit it. And then he, the next day, he's like, "Honey, come back here. You need to hear what you yeah. said." And I'm like, <laughs> "Did you, I'm like, did I'm you like, know? Did I you, did not say yeah. that." He's like, "Honey, yeah." If the it's like, "Honey, did you know you said not, the c word?" Yeah, last and night? I'm like, "I did not say that." And he's like, "Honey, recording does not." I'm like, "You put it in there." <laughs> He's like, I did not put it in there. You're like, editing tricks. And, and he's like, come here and listen to it. And then I die laughing. But no, like we've put, I've put away half a bottle of Patron myself yeah. and then passed out in my chair and then seen that entire half bottle of Patron in the toilet. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, and then fell out of bed. Yeah. Yeah, so we don't do those episodes. So thank you, listeners, who really enjoyed those episodes. I think we've also also lost listeners because of that, too. True. We used to have a... A lot of Christian followers. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The hardcore Christian gamers uh, used to listen to our show. Used to. They used to too many cuss words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't you fault know them. You know, that's if that's when they want to believe, that's fine. You know, it, after, after a certain time in doing the podcast... You know, we're comfortable in our skin. You know, Cal and I, you know, we, we know we're Christians and, you know, we're not perfect and, you know, we are who we are and, you know. You know what I just realized? I'm yes. drinking a beer that's a product of England. Yes, you are. Oh, what? Which one is it? <laughs> it's a Samuel Smith organic handcrafted fruit ale. Ooh. Yes. It's an apricot really ale. Good. My okay. wife is. You don't know this, Kelly, but you're torturing Sharon right now. Sharon? Why am I torturing Sharon? Because I was diagnosed with celiac disease this year, which means I can't consume gluten. And one of the things that I miss the most in the whole world is beer. She was a fan of special ales. Well, next time you come from the... (laughs) See, now now this is is, um, why you need to come to PAX, because they now make gluten-free beers from certain craft brews, make gluten-free beers. 
Do you hear that, honey? That's why we got to go to Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I have been telling her for five years <laughs> that we have well, to go to Pax. And your daughter's old enough. I now. think. I think in a few years' time, she really will be old enough to be able to just about. I mean, if you remember, we were wrecked, and I wouldn't wish that on yeah. my worst enemy. But maybe if we were there a little bit earlier and had a chance to get. You know, used to it. Acclimated yes. to it. Yeah. Change. Yeah. Then I'd love Lyra to experience that. She'd love that. And, um, and yeah, we will absolutely be back there. I, I, I just, I've just been counting the years. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's a good, another good reason just to add to the list, Jen. For the, for a gluten free ale. <laughs> and the cheese cake, which you can't have either. God! <laughs> they probably, at the Cheesecake so Factory, they probably you know do a gluten free. Cheesecake Factory probably does have gluten. They have a lot of gluten We don't know that for sure. Food, I know that. I guess, yeah. I've not really mentioned this on the podcast, Sharon, but it's, it's one of those pain in the ass diseases that's not fatal, but it, it, it's just like I have to kind of put up with it. You, you're the one who suffers through it, but I'm I'm the one who basically loves eating together and cooking big sumptuous meals. And now, whenever we go around the supermarket, it's like, oh, we can have no, we can't have that. See, that I I maintain is the fault of the British food industry and its persistence in putting wheat flour in everything. Everything. It's like oh, corn yeah. syrup in the US because that's the yeah. cash crop here. There is shed loads of it to use up. Yeah. Um, so they they put it in everything, and it's you can see where the um, uh, where it's a, a budgetary thing as well. Because if I, I was looking at soup today, it's such a simple thing, um, but the fresh soups, which are more expensive, the the ones that come in the cartons, um, there are much more of them that don't have any gluten in them. The tinned ones, which are cheaper, um, they put flour in them to thicken them up. Right. This all sounds boring, but uh, when it, just, it, just, it comes down to food-related frustration. And food for me is pretty much as important as sex. And uh, when you start saying, right, can't have pizza anymore, that's like crossing things off the list of stuff you can and can't do in bed. It's like, what? We can't have pizza? In so, bed? <laughs> so I can you have, can. Pi- I can have I pizza, can. but I've always got to get a medium one and share it with Lyra. I can't have those hulking great huge ones anymore. The, my favorite but, but then you have to torture your wife with it. Yeah. Well, that's uh, fine. I can make myself gluten-free pizzas. Yeah. If you, with well, rice fact, flour. Let's spin it around. <laughs> if you would eat gluten-free pizza base... Well, okay, so you're saying... I'm lamenting the fact that I can't, we can't eat delicious things anymore. And you're saying, well, why don't you eat horrible things with me? That doesn't work. Anyway, so yeah, folks, write in, tell us about your gluten uh, or, or allergy related woes. Because Lyra is, um, dairy intolerant as well. So she she's, can't have regular no, no, milk. No, no, She's lactose intolerant. Lactose intolerant. It's very mild. The only thing she can't have is milk. She's she fine with cheese and of like a cup of more than say a half cup of milk. Otherwise she gets a bad tummy. So yeah, you know, if, if I ever become diabetic, it'll be great fun in our house. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to live in on beetroot soup. Yes. <laughs> with uh, no flour in it. Yeah. So just basically we'll, we'll just buy beetroots, mash them and eat them every day. Let's let's move on from this bit. As we promised back in show one, it's about time that Sharon and I explained what the name Digital Drift actually means. 
As most of you know, I started podcasting with Tony Atkins and Paul Shotton in early 2007. I chose the name Digital Cowboys to indicate that we were riding on the raggedy edge of gaming and movie journalism with a relatively new technological outlet. Classical with a twist. The second volume, which I started alone and continued after Cowboys ended, was Digital Gonzo, which had its roots in Gonzo journalism, a movement inadvertently started by Hunter S. Thompson, in which the journalist himself takes a very personal part in proceedings. Now, over the years, my style has gone beyond that, and I've found that there are thousands of loudmouths on the internet unable to look beyond their own noses, thus twisting and cheapening what was once a niche style of coverage. In other words, being Gonzo wasn't special because everybody was foul-mouthed and prone to exaggeration and conspiracy theories anyway. Also, you couldn't get Gonzo Planet in many, uh, in many workplaces because Gonzo is, is connected with pornography, something I didn't know before I bought the domain name and changed the entire thing around and, and set up the website. So basically people couldn't access my site at work. So that was fun. The focus of my show, especially with Sharon, having more and more input, has become about something closer to the human experience and something which, while occasionally acid and scathing of the lazy and the crapulent, has a very positive, earnest and enthusiastic core. So when Alex and I were hammering out a new name for a new show we could stride through hand in hand, we needed something very symbolic. And although, like Cowboys and Gonzo, the word drift has superficial negative terms, Cowboys meaning incompetent or insincere workers, and Gonzo meaning silly or pornographic, it is in fact a multi-layered name. Drifting in the movie Pacific Rim is when two people are so much in sync that they're in one another's heads. This is used to achieve something monumental that is too much of a neural load for one person. In point of fact, if one person burns long enough alone, the process will kill them. There's also a strong sense of balance and equality between male and female input, which is something very few podcasts can truly offer. On top of this, within the film, there is a strong message of unity and everyone doing their job, pulling together to accomplish this greater goal together. To go even deeper, as Alistair Stewart pointed out on the show, there is an implication that in accessing the drift, humanity inadvertently created a techno-organic collective unconscious, which is made richer and more complex every time a new memory is submitted, creating a kind of soul internet. It is from this figurative collective unconscious that we draw so much of our understanding of the subtle joints between entertainment and our own infinitely complex psychological makeup as a species. As a final bonus, drifting in racing games is tough to master, but when you can achieve it, life just seems to lose its weight on you, and you arc round bends effortlessly, just enjoying the smooth thrill. So yeah, that's why we're called Digital Drift. You to me are sweet as roses in the morning. You to me. A soft as summer in that don't in love with shit. That's something The sidewalks in the street, the concrete and the clay beneath my feet begins to crumble. But love will never die because we'll see the mountains tumble before we say goodbye. My love and I will be in love eternally. That's the way. Okay, let's move on to the five questions. Now, like I said, these are uh, completely retconned from the originals. Uh, Sharon and I sort of sat up in, in bed um, going over what would really get people talking. We had some, like, um, one of them for the, when we reorganized them, Tony and I, was why do you play games? 
And it was a really great question on uh, Robert Ashley's podcast. Um, but we thought that it could really be great and conducive to get people talking. As it turned out, people tended to give sort of one-word answers like, um, escapism? So what we're hoping is with these ones that we get sort of more wordy, more involved, back-and-forth conversations. So whatever doesn't work, we will adjust going on. But these will be questions that we ask everyone who we bring on for interview. Not dissimilar to James Lipton's questions on Inside the Actor's Studio. Okay, so the first of the five is yours, Sharon. Okay, so aptly enough, having discussed uh, our current food difficulties, what would your last meal and movie be? Uh, let's go with ladies first. Oh, jeez. Last meal. I absolutely positively could eat Mexican food mm-hmm. day, lunch, and evening. <laughs> Lefty could tell I you I thought that. we were talking literally. What was the last meal? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, okay. So um, I could th- – that would be – and, you know, favorite and, – and last movie, it would have to be uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Okay. Ah. Seven Brides for Seven I'm, Brothers and Tacos. <laughs> I can eat tacos right now, but we can't because they've got flour in them. <laughs> ah, no, tacos we can have as long as we have the it's crunchy corn. shelled ones. Yeah, yeah they're corn. corn. Yeah. But Sharon used to make these really awesome flour tortillas. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Chris, what would your last meal and movie be? Um, he's looking on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I'm stalling as I try to remember every um. Pie and mash. (laughs) (laughs) My, uh, well, last meal I think is a bit easier. Um, you know, if it's going to absolutely be my last, you know, you know, to hell with, uh, bothering about fats and all that sort of stuff. It's going to be a a nice ribeye steak, a lot of marbling in there. And, and that's, and then pair that with, uh, uh, some, a nicely done lobster or a sea bass and with, uh, with um, some grilled shrimp, and uh, I will, well, I will go out the good way then. Um, What's your movie? Uh, my movie, uh, if I'm going out, if this is my last movie I'll ever see, um, I want to uh, end on a positive note. Something that uh, sort of um, has added to who I am as a person, and I, you know, and the arts is so wonderful that it can do that to our lives. Uh, it would have to be a Wim, I'll say the person's name wrong always, great German name, Wim, Wim Wenders, Wenders yeah. uh, of course, uh, Wings of Desire. Ah. Yes. Uh, hang on, is that um, the Became City of Angels? Yes. but ah, uh, Yeah, yeah. But the first yeah. one is, the original is better. Yeah, oh yes, yes. Even and especially without Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually a really nice uh, idea, the... Um, that, that uh, Sharon and I were discussing that you'd have to watch something that would sort of prepare you for death. Yours was Sunshine, wasn't it, Sharon? It was, yeah. Question two is mine. Doc Brown turns up in the DeLorean. Where and when do you go and how long do you stay? I would go back to ancient Egypt mm-hmm. when when uh, King Tut is still in power. The Batman villain? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tutankhamun. common and and I would stay until uh, they bury him, and I would I would somehow or another be able to block his tomb <laughs> being closed so that I could get all the riches. <laughs> so you can and have the DeLorean take me back to time. 
So you could get all the what? Sorry? All of his riches. There's they other bury- ways to get money. <laughs> <laughs> Because okay, they bury- the ways that don't involve so- <laughs> Egyptian warriors chasing you with spears back to the DeLorean. So effectively, Kelly, what you're saying is you would use this opportunity to raid. <laughs> because I want to see ancient Egypt in its glory. But, but you I'm- also want cash. And steal said glory. <laughs> hey, I like it. It's honest. I like it too. Are you okay? Um, that's actually a Chris good is, one. Chris is just shaking his head at me. I I do imagine you're going to have to get your shots though if you're going to go all the way back to ancient Egypt. They probably had all kinds of diseases that we have no capability of dealing with right now. Yes, probably. You might kill the human race because you'd come back with crocodile pox or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Marty, you got crocodile pox. I have to take you back. <laughs> oh my god! If you took everything out of uh, Tutankhamun's tomb, then years and years later, when they open it up and find nothing there, the interesting. Egyptian but history is just going to not exist. That's right. But they already did because uh, tomb tomb robbers stole everything out of there years after he died. Tomb so I really named wouldn't. Kelly Brown. <laughs> <laughs> so you really just happened. You've really just stolen it from tomb raiders. <laughs> correct. Preemptive raid. <laughs> correct. That's so I just preemptively took it from what had already happened in time. But the ancient Egypt, let's just hone back in on the ancient Egypt thing. What, what interests you about actually seeing that place of time? Imagine if you do have I, the shots and I, can wander I love ancient Egyptian history. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was teaching sixth grade, that was my favorite time frame to teach my students. I just think that it's like absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I loved the one of my favorite things to do was mummifying a chicken to teach my kids how to mummify. Oh Jesus! Um, they well, it was that's a life skill for you right now. (laughs) Well, I went to the store and I bought one. You know, the kids would always ask me, "Why aren't we mummifying? You know, why are we mummifying a chicken?" I told them, "Well, because legally I can't mummify one of you." I'm a bit worried about what happens if I die before you now. Wait, what? (laughs) She's gonna have you stuffed. (laughs) Well, I do know how to mummify, honey, so I can keep you in bed with me. Um, that's creepy. That's the creepiest thing on this show so far. We're only on episode two. Uh, but see, the, the thing is, honey, the only problem that I have is when I mummify you, there's going to be leakage. <laughs> it's, it's, notice she's saying when and not if. <laughs> I'm going to have to visit a, I'm going to so, have to visit an attorney so, here. So I'm going to have so I'm going to have to put you in the bathtub for a few months. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, you get to see Wings of Desire first. <laughs> and and put some pallets. And I'm going to have to change the solution every once in a while. I think I might have to have Doc Brown take me to that instance <laughs> once you decide that this is a good idea. <laughs> and change your mind. Okay, yeah, Chris, um, let's let's move away from the disturbing term that's uh, that kind of uh, mine, mine would be... too much beer. <laughs> Uh, mine, mine would be to go to, uh, to the, uh, westward expansion of the, of the, of the U.S. So it's you want to be with the Donner Party? No, no, I'm, I'm talking more of even further back to Lewis and Clark. You know, they've always, you know, much in the same way that we're fascinated with space, you know, at that time we were fascinated with, 
Well, exploration. there was yeah. exploration. Yeah, well, you know, there, there, a lot of it was like, you know, where's gold and where's the seventh tribe of Israel and all this sort of mm-hmm. stuff, you know, the re- religious and, and money, money grabbing area. But there was a general interest in seeing, you know, what is, what else is out there? And I'm not trying to seem, you know, um, uh, xenophobic or in any way, but, uh, I, you know, the, the United States, um, has such a great amount of natural wilderness, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of that has changed now. and And I would have loved to see how things were, how things were, you know, back in the uh, in Lewis and Clark's time, and and that sort of exploration and coming across, you know, for for the, you know the Anglo's, you know, coming across for the very first time, you know. The, uh, the Pacific, you know, the, the, the way the, you know, the William Nett meets the Pacific mm-hmm. and, and, or crossing the Rockies, you know, for the first time, you know, for me, that would be, um, those are amazing moments, you know, seeing, seeing, uh, herds and herds of buffalo, you know, across and cross, across the plains. Um, you know, those are things that, um, you know, we won't see again. And, uh, as, as homogenous as, as, uh, the U S has become, you know, where I'm thankful that we still have, you know, a lot of open wilderness there, but, uh, that's, that's a part of history that, um, I'm still, I'm fascinated and, and, in and in awe of. And, uh, so yeah, that would be an area I would want to go. You know, Sharon. Yes. I think I might have a new fan. Um, <laughs> Chris, I'm going to send you a link here. It's uh, to my uh, first book, which you definitely haven't uh, heard of because otherwise you'd have gone, oh, hey, it's kind of on the same lines as your book, um, which is set just after that era and, uh, in fact, uh, kind of reopens the book in terms of exploring the American wilderness. So, yeah, check that out at some point. Yeah, well. And uh, there's an audio version as well you can listen to. It's called The Cartographer's Handbook, folks. Okay. So the next question is mine again. And it's, who in the world would you give a superpower of your choice? So you can choose a person. It can be yourself if you want, but it can also... Uh, we, we, we gave it this spin and said that you could give someone else a power so that that sort of... It avoids people going, well, I just I guess I have an invincibility in flight and I'd do good things. So if you could technically give it to somebody else instead. I would give – this is weird because I know who I would give it to, but I don't know the person, if that makes sense. You mean you know what you would give but not I know not what I would give, but I don't know who the person would be. How's okay, that? well, say what, and we can maybe suggest a good uh, a good example of a person. I would give. I would give the ability to cure cancer. Uh huh. That's a superpower. Uh huh. It can be a superpower. Yeah. Very specific healing ability. But the the ability is like, who do you give it to? You know, do you give it to somebody who's been working on? The cure for cancer. Currently, do you give it to someone who is in college now, who is working towards the degree in whatever degree you need to be a scientist? 
so that then they have many years to maybe cure because there's are so many different cancers out there yeah, yeah. that they can impact so many more people. Because if you give it to someone who is currently, you know, towards that cusp of finding a cure, they may not be able to impact True. millions. And so of that's course, why that I say the, it's hard this, to know who to hand it to. This cure only lasts for the duration of their life because the cancer right. is a naturally occurring scenario. So exactly. the moment they die aged 100 years old, one of the most beloved people on the planet, we get cancer again. Exactly. So that's why I say it's hard to know. Do you give it to yeah. a child so that then they maybe become a genius and graduate high school when they're 12 and graduate college when they're Which 15? gives us a bit more uh, time with it. I, exactly. In all I'd give it to someone who's been searching for the cure anyway, because that gives them, they've already got the responsibility and the understanding of what that entails. You're not ruining the life of someone who never wanted this. You're actually giving it to someone who desperately wants this. I right. would also suggest it probably ought to go to somebody who does not come from a country where medicine is commercialized, because if it goes to somebody who is basically going to hide it and hoard it and sell it, yeah. How right. many people is it actually going to help? It needs to go to somebody incredibly altruistic who can't be corrupted. Right. So yeah. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> any any offers, folks? If we if we ever get that chance, um, that's a good one, Kelly. Well done. Um, I, I go from stealing student comments. <laughs> that's why you surprised me. I was like, you really took that seriously. Okay. Um, uh, Chris, and these don't all have to be altruistic, by the way. You could just um, right. give uh, somebody you can't stand the uh, superpower to explode. <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the name of the person who I would give this to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and this will be more clear as I go on. Um, we, you know, especially us, Amer- uh, us Americans, we often... Um, have a hard time, as much as we say so, uh, really believing that another person's life is just as value, valuable as our own nationalities or our own, um, across our own sort of, uh, race and, and stuff like that. And so I would, I would want to give a, a superpower to, to the least among us. So to speak, you know, it would be someone in a developing country, um, and someone who could make a difference by by virtue of of make a difference for not only their countries or their their caste or their uh, races um, improvement among the world, but also be able to um, make others of, of my own more understanding of the plight of that others have, you know, they're, they're the worth of, of another person's life, uh, and improve it. Um, and so it would have to go to someone I don't, I don't know. I don't, you know, that could be from anywhere, you know, from, of the, of the de- developing world. And, but the superpower would most likely, um, well, well maybe I, I keep coming across empathy, you know, be able to project and make others empathetic, empathetic. Um, and so we can, we can, um, become closer, you know, as, as, uh, humans, you know, we can, we can learn to, uh, to, to care for one another, um, 
far from the divide of nationality or, or race or gender or um, sexual orientation or whatnot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going big picture here. <laughs> so um, so empathy would be my superpower, and it would be to uh, um, someone of a, of a developing country that we, you know, who isn't a celebrity or, or we look up to or, or whatnot. That's Any? very similar to um, what you were looking at, wasn't it, Alex? Yeah. What exactly did I say? I can't remember, but empathy was definitely in there. I think it, it was it was the ability to make other people more empathetic towards each other. So yeah, somebody think... who could intervene in in disputes and make each side see um, understand the other more. So yeah, pretty much, Chris. I gave you. I gave exactly the same answer. So yeah, you and I are simpatico. I'm just reading what you gave me, man. <laughs> are you enjoying it already? Um, Sharon, what was the one you were going to uh, say? It was the you give somebody a ch- the ability of persuasion. Yeah, it's kind of it along was, these lines as well. It was sort of, but it, there was a specific person I had in mind. Although you could um, basically give it to anybody who was in that position. Um, but uh, there's a, a lady called. And I always pronounce her surname wrong, for which I apologize in advance. Uh, but it's uh, Camilla batman And she runs um, a charity in London, although unfortunately they are now having to branch out by necessity because they are needed elsewhere. Um, but it's called Kids Company. Um, and it's basically like an open shelter for children in, in specifically that part of London who have broken homes, nowhere to eat, nowhere to be safe, um, or they, they're trying to get away from a, an abusive home or something like that. It's basically to give children somewhere to go where they will be safe and cared for and fed and dressed and looked after. Um, and I wanted to give her the ability to, because so much of her time is spent basically um, trying to raise money to keep this charity going. She put a lot of her, her personal fortune and her, her family's money. She comes from quite a wealthy family. Um, she put a lot of her family's money into building it up, but now obviously more is needed to keep it going. So I wanted to give her the ability to persuade um, wealthy organizations and, and individuals throughout the world to give her money and give her support to keep this charity going. The power of super persuasion. I mean, effectively, she could just uh, attend a lot of self-help seminars and, and get that herself. It is attainable. Well, I suspect she's already got it to some extent. Yeah. Otherwise, this thing would have folded years ago. Um, I'd like to uh, make somebody who uh, is absolutely necessary to the House of Commons. and uh, what is it? Where is that place where, where every single politician in the land stands and goes, blah, 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 show? Um, well, it's, it's the Houses of Parliament. The Commons Parliament. is where the MPs, who are the elected elected officials, debate, and the House of Lords is where the people who have had their power bestowed on them mm. by the okay. state. Well, the Houses of Parliament. I would uh, give this power to someone who they can't get rid of, uh, and it's simply that everybody within a half mile radius of this person must tell the truth. <laughs> Like in Liar Liar. I mean, I'm talking like every single politician standing up on any given day can literally only tell you exactly the truth. That would make politics interesting. Uh, Sharon, you've got got the next question. I do. Okay. So 
when you look at the um, the entertainment that captures you, are there any recurring themes that you keep coming back to time and time again that you just feel like you can't get enough of? And that could be in films, music, games, books, whatever. Chris would say that there's a certain type of music that I always... What was it that you say that a song has to always have in order for me to listen to it, hon? We were talking about this in the car the other day. Um, a <laughs> no, no, a song has to have. There were what was it? Three elements for me to listen to it. It has to have. Well, you said it. There has to be like, um, like a sort of like a vocal sh- shout out, like like um, th- you know, uh, the the rest of the band calls you know, back. Th- yeah, sort of call call like response to it. Yeah, call response. Uh, there, ha- there's a um, like a simple melody that you know often is comes back again and again like a like a whistle during the you know you uh that where where the singer whistles through a part you know that you whistle along with it was really funny we were talking it about sounds like you're really narrowing down the kind of music yeah what's the third element well there's one more element that you said the 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 funny um play on words like uh um like you'll shoot your eye out, spelt Y U L E. No, not exactly, but like, um, well, th- there's this, uh, country song, um, by, uh, uh, I forget her name, Kelsey. but anyway, I can't, um, I where, right um, all my exes live in Texas? No, 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 this is a current song, um, it's a current song. but, but, uh, you, you think the, you think she's going to say, um, you know, being a, a bitch. No, it was whore. And, or being a whore, and so, instead it's she just horrible. goes horrible person. Gotcha. And this so sounds like you listen to one song. <laughs> no, um, though, there's other songs there's other that songs, sort of. But I will. Have there are certain elements. songs that I will listen to repeatedly, gotcha. they, uh, over and over, to <laughs> my annoyance. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I, iPods are for. <laughs> um, one car. One, one car. car. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's CDs that I listen to to and from work. Well, this um, is what Discman's. Discman. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's been so long since I even mentioned them. <laughs> um, and when it comes to TV, I tend to, if it has, if it has a fireman, a policeman, or a detective in it, I will watch it. Um, Do you guys watch Sherlock? The proper Sherlock? Yes. Um, I haven't. I'm behind by two seasons. You're on the, yes. it's on the third season, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm behind by the second. I didn't watch the second season, or I'm not on the current season, so I'm behind. Are you familiar um, with London's Burning? It's a fire no. show. No. Is it still going, Shane? Probably No, don't think so. Or The Bill. You ever seen The Bill? Nope. No. <laughs> Casualty? That's got doctors. <laughs> but like, nope. uh, like Grey's Anatomy, I watch that every time it's on. Um, anything that has a music, that's a musical, I will watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think of Chicago? Like, we just saw that yesterday for the first time in years. Uh, you know, it's been watch, a, it's been a I while think I've seen it once. It. John C. Riley. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah like I enjoyed it. Moulin Rouge. I love Beyond the Leaf. Yes. We hate um, Chicago, but we love Moulin Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what else? Like, like the show. Do you remember the old 70s show, Emergency? Uh, that one passed us by. Okay, I have watched that to, like, excess, like, we're talking, like, eight or nine times repetitively. Um, 
So basically, emergency services and crimes. Oh, does this extend to yeah. police procedurals? Uh, not so much police, but medical procedurals. Medical procedurals, watch. yes. Yeah. Lefty will Lefty will come into the the room and he's like, "Are you seriously watching an operation?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Oh crap! Um, so, I, about, so you do watch House? Um, she didn't get. I didn't get so into much, House, no. but I will watch um, Discovery Health. Um, has like emergency room procedures and, um, medical procedures. I worked in an emergency room when I was in high school and college. Okay. And, um, yeah, medicine is a hobby of mine that goes into books as well. Any medical books that I can get my hands on, I will read. You know, I consume a lot of entertainment. I find myself being drawn to certain themes across, you know, whether it be literature or TV or, or uh, movies. And I see, I seem to be drawn to stories of those who derive power from powerlessness. And maybe that's, you know, partly because of, of my religious, uh, background. Whether it be, um, uh, George, um, The Power and the Glory was, was the book and it has to deal, deal with the, the, the whiskey priest. Here's a man who the a Central American country has outlawed religion and he's a former priest who, uh, who is also a drunk and is trying to escape his his calling, his duty to God, and at the same time is being drawn back to God in such such a way. The impact he makes makes upon people, even when he hates the very thing that he's he's doing for the betterment of humankind. You know, stories like that, or or Dostoevsky. I'm, I'm a huge Dostoevsky fan. The uh, the B- brothers Karamazov. I, I I tell this again and again in terms of like. My own relationship with faith is, uh, you know, there, there's three brothers. The older brother's a, you know, a glutton. The, the uh, middle brother is an intellect, and the younger brother is a, a religious person. And uh, but the but the glutton uh, finds himself, unbeknownst to himself, a, a believer. You know, just because, um, you know, some of the statements he makes. He makes he's talking to his brother, uh, his younger brother at the time, and he says, even when I'm in hell. I will love God. That just like hits on my buttons because I was like, well, hell is the absence of God. And here in this, you know, it can't truly be hell if you're still pursuing, you know, still loving God. Yeah. Other things in powerlessness, you know, the, the, the story of, um, Gandhi, uh, the story of Martin Luther King Jr., uh, people who use nonviolence to do powerful things. You know, we just watched, uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, which is a story uh, set set in the mid '80s, back when you know we believed that uh, HIV and and AIDS were only for gay people, and that we thought that you can get it from you know like the flu, just being you know. So we were scared of people spit or sitting on the same toilet, and all these things that that we know better now of. And here was a guy who contracts AIDS, who himself was a racist and a homophobe, and just not a good person because of this horrible awful disease does become a better person and it's those those um those paradoxes in life um that one makes me more hopeful about my own because you know i'm not i'm far from perfect um but but two the fact that um we can we can be transcendent you know if we sort of understand our own powerlessness and you know that's that's the paradox you know and so so i'm continually drawn to entertainment that 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 displays those types of themes 
which technological development do you most want to occur within your lifetime? And Wine it could be a cast. medical development. I was going to say it could be a medical development if you if if you want uh, Kelly to just be like no. a cancer cured, but flying cars. Well, yeah. no, elaborate. I, like, <laughs> I would like cancer to be cured. But of course, I yeah. But, uh, we're not going to make everyone say that because otherwise everyone would be like, well, how much better than the last person who was as goody two shoes as possible can I possibly be? Yeah. Although I will consider you to be a horrible person if you don't say. Cure disease. But go on. Carry on with flying cars, because I would like to hear this one. I would like to to see flying cars. I think that we have way too much uh, cars on the road. They need to be elevated, you know, six to 12 yards off the roads so that I can get around. That's not very high. You know, they're going to crash into a lot of overpasses. <laughs> you know what? I each other. I can get around. Now a bus will fall on you. <laughs> no, they'd be on tracks. Oh, what right. So, of- so those would be elevated Stop. trains you're describing. <laughs> Carry on, because I love this. Keep working. Trains. Let's see. No, that would be a not trains. They're 19th cars. century. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, so cars, are we talking like um, Blade Runner here with the flying cars that sort of just get to fly everywhere, or Fifth Element where they're sort of, and, and Futurama where they're in traffic and often in traffic jams in midair, or um, was it, it iRobot where they were sort of on slot machine type, sort of like slot car things? So, so they, can, they can, like, this is the way I envision it, okay? okay. Now, honey, you have, to, you have to describe how I'm flying, okay? Okay. <laughs> She's got her arms both out. <laughs> so, so you can go like this, and then you go, Hoom, and then like this, and go Hoom, okay. like this. So it would be very much the slot car air slots. Air slots. Um, so, so basically uh, freeways in the sky. Yeah. You would have. But you, but you can go. What would be on the ground? Pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Check the bottle and see what percentage proof that ale is. Because <laughs> you know that buying pigs are just ridiculous. So we're soaring over these pigs on the <laughs> pigs on the wing. Okay. Yes, and then if you need if you need some meat, you know, you just hit a pig. Of course, <laughs> I'm assuming that would also solve the world hunger issue because yeah. just so much more bacon. Unless you're bacon intolerant. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you hit a cow instead. Okay. Yeah. Um, you right. know, and that just makes perfect sense because it's ground beef. Oh. I've, I've always wanted to see flying cars. Ooh, bad joke. <laughs> ground beef, flying cars. Seconds to get in, to sink in there. <laughs> she went there. Well done. Um, no, yeah, it's just everyone would, if, if they had even the remotest amount of control over the cars, everyone would not only have to have a driving license, but a pilot's license. No, because you're in a car still. <laughs> what brilliant. <laughs> flying car. But it doesn't have the little, it doesn't have the little. <laughs> what do they call people who operate, um, uh, flying cars? Goodyear blimps. Blimps. They call Pilots. them. They call them blimp. Pilots. They, they call Separate them blimp drivers. Anyway, 
Blimpies. Uh, okay. This is God bless her. This is how my wife thinks sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's entertaining. It's very, very so, entertaining. No, 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 no. Listen. Please don't go the other way and say something very, very serious. So now, now listen. Okay. So you're in a car, right? Yes. Uh-huh. And and you don't have to. You, 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 you. Hang on, my brain's not functioning. One second. I got the last question. <laughs> so you. You still have to use gas uh-huh. in your car. So we're now polluting the air even closer. <laughs> listen, and listen. we're still on fossil fuels. We've developed these new flying cars, but we're still tied to oil. But listen, it's a different kind of gas because it's bubble uh, gas because uh, it lifts you up in the air. Oh boy! <laughs> so now like listen. Willy Wonka fuel, <laughs> kind of. Uh, and the fun part about it is, is if you're a child, uh-huh. you can look out the back window and watch all the bubbles. Of course. And the pigs. Don't go- shake your oh. head at me. Okay. Is so- it my turn yet? What? <laughs> is it my turn? Now Chris's turn. <laughs> I, my, is it a problem when your beer doesn't say how much alcohol it has uh, in it? Okay. All right. Let is me speak now. too much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, I would cure cancer. Uh, now, um, no, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's you know, you got to say why. I, I mentioned earlier about exploring wilderness and not, whatnot. This would be an interesting point to talk about, you know, on, on another show, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's that horrible to say I wouldn't cure disease, uh, because I have a feeling that a disease of some type will always be with us. That it, it that's, you know, this is this is the shape of our lives. We 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 are born, we live, and we die, mm-hmm. and you know that that the stuff in between, you know, is is the stuff that that matters. You know, what, you know, no matter where you what you believe, you know, religious, non-religious, or whatnot. Um, and so for me, it it still remains exploration. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still areas of the ocean we haven't explored. There's still all of outer space we haven't explored. There's, I, I believe there's still other dimensions or the way time and space works that we haven't explored. Oh, yeah. You know, we are a great technological nation, but we're, or excuse me, world, technological world. Uh, but there's still so much out there. I mean, the, there's still our human bodies left. To explore, so you know, how, how much, yeah, well, how much, you know, any, any doctor will tell you, you know, they don't have it down in terms of how the human body, you know, let alone the, the cold, but in the, you know, how, how medicines work on the body or how they discover medicines, you know, that's still to this very day hit or miss, you know, it's some, some of this stuff is accidental to this day. Um, you know, so there's still, a a universe dimension time worth of things yet to discover. And I think that's one thing about being human that makes it like so effing awesome that it's still out there. It will always be out there. And there's something innate in the human, you know, whether you, you like you believed, you know, that human world mind type thing that, yearns for that exploration the sense of discovery so for me it's continuing that that trek you know whether it be star dimension time continuing to explore pushing the boundaries exactly exactly 
Yeah, you're speaking my language there completely. <laughs> and again, I think you're going to like this book. So, uh, yeah, check it out. It's on Kindle, and you can <laughs> download the audio version as well. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on. It was it was wonderful to, to to touch base with you guys again. I think we'd we'd like to get you on some more for other more arresting topics at some point, if that's cool. Definitely, my flying car is not arresting. Well, I was going to say, where better <laughs> my car might be arresting. It depends how you drive it. Where better to explore the boundaries of space and time than in your own flying DeLorean? <laughs> yeah, because you just have to make sure you have oxygen. It's going to be bubble powered though. Yes. Um, so yeah, as I was saying, uh, we're going to be doing a lot more sort of uh, conversational, sort of discussing, uh, um, explorative discussions along these lines uh, in the in the coming months and years. And uh, it seems like you guys are perfect uh, guests for a couple of those. That'd be great. Tell us about your show to everyone who hasn't yet listened to it. Okay. Well, uh, we uh, do a podcast called The Married Gamers. Um, our website. And for more information and our, all of our shows, you can find us at themarriedgamers.net. And uh, we do a topical, mostly video game-ish uh, type podcast. Uh, we're going on on seven years. Uh, very uh, relationship in focus. And uh, I have the great honor of sitting across from uh, one of the greatest, funnest out there. Flying car inventing <laughs> co-hosts, uh, my lovely wife Kelly, and I am Chris. Just flipped you off, and she just flipped me off. So go on over to themarriedgamers.net, and they have 325 episodes for you to look through to find various subjects. You want to name a couple of, of uh, episodes that people might want to start with? If you don't want to go all the way to the beginning to find out what we started with, you can start with episode 200. Mm-hmm. We That's, really dug in deep as yeah, to one what, of my favorite uh, what, how we started and, uh, yeah. I can't remember who our, uh, Guests were on that show. Uh, no, actually, we were the guests. On oh, that's that right. Show. We were the guests. And we, we were, were interviewed, interviewed by um, by a couple friends, um, Jay Van Beveren and uh, Alec Al- uh, Alfred, Alfred. Pridup, and and one uh, Sir Alex Shaw was uh, the uh, the uh, the stuffy British announcer. And uh, oh, I remember that one. I did like a Battlestar Galactica theme tune to it. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Awesome. And, uh, we really like that, you know, it sort of gives a really good history and we, and us that are most revealing about, uh, the origins of, of the Merry Gamers and just how close and why our marriage was on, on the rocks. Uh, so that's good. That's a good one. Um, but, uh, anyone, I think we did one called the, um, the, uh, what's that name of tequila? Patron. Patron. Have you ever? So. No, I think it was called, what was it called? the Patron, Patron episode or something like that. Okay. Um, which, you know, if you want to listen to one of the drinking episodes, that's a good that's one. That's a good one. Yeah. But, uh, um, we've, you know, we've had digital cowboys on. We've had so many of our people that we, we know and, and love have been on show. Um, you know, if, if you want a fun, the last one we did, episode 325, we talked about boobs and Tomb Raider. Uh, that we did. And, and Tomb, Tomb Raider. Raider. Yes. And yeah, so. Um, yeah, you know, so we have 325 and soon to be 326 to, uh, to, uh, take a listen to. And, um, yeah, just avoid those first few, you know, we get better, we get better. (laughs) 
And if some folks are coming from the Married Gamers community to listen to our show, um, Sharon, do you want to recommend a few good ones to get them acclimatized to us and the way we do things? Well, what do we have so far? <laughs> what well, uh, do you mean from the digital selection generally? Let's go, because it's all on the same feed. You can basically just scroll down through all of Digital Gonzo, and there's several episodes of Digital Cowboys up as well. So it's many okay. years' worth well, of stuff. So anything Gonzo um, will, will, will be on there. I, I would certainly recommend from your very, very early days of podcasting, um, the, my favorite digital cowboys episodes were, um, the Legend of Zelda episode, which I was reminded of today. Mm-hmm. That's on the uh, feed and, uh, I, I published it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you also did an absolutely outstanding episode on, uh, sex in video games. That is also on the feed. Just because that's the kind of mood I'm in at the moment, I would probably recommend from the Gonzo years uh, the Harry Potter series of podcasts, which Kelly and Chris, I believe, both guested on at one point. Chris was on Azkaban. Kelly was on Philosophers? Yes. Oh, sorry, Sorcerers. Sorcerers, that's right. (laughs) And I think I I was on most of those, if not all. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Harry so, Potter yeah. ones are great. And I, I think those, go back those are probably them. ones that I would um, I would suggest people get an earful of. I would also suggest there, there was one a few uh, months ago we did on fan response, which is about how um, uh, the disproportional responses on the internet to uh, w- within fandoms. And um, we had uh, Bob Chipman, movie Bob, uh, on for that one, and uh, Daniel Floyd and Lily from uh, Extra Credits. That was one of our best shows. I loved that one, and it was it was that, and they're sort of they're talking about a, a topic rather than a, um, a movie review. But um, you know, it's not that we hadn't done that before on Gonzo, but it got such a great response that I thought we could definitely do more of these uh, going forwards. Um, there's also uh, Mass Effect Three, the most divisive game ever. Uh, uh, there's a double episode on that, the civil war between the various fandoms. We do a great double show on uh, Bioshock and the, the Bioshock series, actually. Also, the Back to the Future uh, podcast always great and tie people's brains in knots because uh, we ch- try to work with the the actual time travel physics of the thing, and uh, it, Paul Neal's brain melted. Half of it. It did. And also the zombie survival guide. If if you've ever read World War Z uh, or, or heard that uh, it was good, um, there's a, a double episode on zombie survival guide in the World War Z book. And uh, any any fan of zombies needs to listen to that because we take zombies very seriously in that one. Okay, that's all. Sharon, lead us out. Uh, so that's all from us for this week. You've been listening to Digital Drift, and next time we'll be tackling the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> And if I'm still alive when I've finished it... Yeah, you're the one I've, doing all the legwork on that. Yeah, <laughs> all the brain work. I've been Sharon Shaw. I've been Alex Shaw. And Neural, Neural handshake, handshake Complete. complete. Last week I left a note on Laura's desk It said, I love you, signed anonymous friend Turns out she's smarter than I thought she was She knows I wrote it now, the whole class does too And I'm all alone during couples skate When she skates by with some guy on her arm But I know that I'll forget 
pity in her face Living in my solar dome on a platform in space Cause it's gonna be the future soon And I won't always be this way When the things that make me weak and strange get engineered away It's gonna be the future soon I've never seen it quite so clear And when my heart is breaking I can close my eyes And it's already I'll probably be some kind of scientist Building inventions in my space lab in space I'll end world hunger, I'll make dolphins speak Work through the daytime, spend my nights and weekends Perfecting my warrior robot race Building them one laser gun at a time I will do my best to teach them about life and what it's worth Just hope that I can keep them from destroying the earth Cause it's gonna be the future soon And I won't always be this way When the things that make me weak and strange get engineered away It's gonna be the future soon I've never seen it quite so clear And when my heart is breaking I can close my eyes And it's already here on earth They'll wonder I piece by piece replace myself And the steel and circuits will make me whole But I still feel so alone Until Laura calls me home I'll see her standing by the monorail She'll look the same except for bionic eyes She lost the real ones in the robot wars I'll say I'm sorry, she'll say it's not your fault or is it And she'll eye me suspiciously Hearing the whir of the servos inside And she'll scream and try to run But there's nowhere she can hide When a crazy cyborg wants to make you his robot bride Well, it's gonna be the future soon And I won't always be this way When the things that make me weak and strange get engineered away It's gonna be the future soon I've never seen it quite so clear And when my heart is breaking I can close my eyes And it's already here